Welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, we talk about stable coins and broadly the concept of stability. All right, let's go. Good morning, Kendall. Good morning. Happy Friday. First Friday recording. That's right. Because of you. <laughs> because of me. Yes. Thank you for being flexible. I appreciate it. Always. Yeah. Yesterday, the morning just got a little crazy and I was like, it's not going to happen. Oh, that's what it was. I was meeting with the Bitcoin with my uh, Bitcoin consultant. Mm. out of australia who's helping me i was telling you off air he's helping me with the linux computer and so hard to get on his calendar in general and then and then yeah we're like 14 hours apart so and it ended up going a little long so it just this works better so sorry to everyone who was like waiting on the edge of their seat our, we have to evening. we have to give the listeners what they demand okay i know i know we just we lost a little bit of trust yesterday. I'm sure with the episode not coming out as scheduled, um, but we will work to stay on stay on schedule going forward. So, well, how's your week going? It's been a good week. It's nothing. Uh, it really hasn't been that crazy of a week. I guess I've been pretty busy with work stuff actually, but it's been like heads down, which. I enjoy, honestly. Yeah. Well, we've never mentioned it on the show before, but Coinmetrics, the company that Kindle works for, they put out a uh, state of the network. Um, what is it every week, right? So everyone should um, everyone should go check that out. It's actually tons and tons of signal, as they say. Um, I would say in, in that piece and. I mean, it's not short, but it's not terribly long either. So, yeah, it's I I I, I read it every week. I love it. We have like a because we have like a research team. Like we have people at Coinmetrics that their job is literally just to research crypto, which hmm. was a pretty good job, right? Um, That's a great job. And then you know, every week they they write the, uh, the the newsletter. I'll link it in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. Cool. Yeah, we need to. Um... We need to talk about too at some point, maybe this year, uh, setting up a not all at once um, community on uh, GM.xyz. You've seen that, right? You've seen that right. site. Yes. That'd be kind of fun. Get yeah. some feedback from how many ever listeners we have every week. <laughs> from uh, what... the listeners, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I right honestly, now, I just I... know it's Parker. Parker <laughs> calls me every week and gives me his <laughs> feedback. And that's, and that's great. I always uh, shout out to Parker. I know he's listening right now. So I don't suspect we have a large audience, um, but uh, you know, it's still fun. If anybody does want to ever reach out to us, the best place to do it is Twitter. FYI, if anybody is yeah. listening to this. Definitely. Cool. Well, let's jump into it. Let me pull up the notion. So I know we've, we've teased up the, 
stable coin discussion. Um, so we're going to jump into that, probably spend majority of the time on there. And uh, if we get to it, we'll kind of talk through some of the general market um, fluctuations, what's going on this week, get, uh, get some takes on, are we going to, are we going to break the losing streak, uh, weekly losing streaks uh, today? And then last thing that we're going to throw out there at some point, maybe we'll get to it today. Maybe we'll punt to next week is Coinbase stock. Is this, uh, is it a buy? You know, what are some thoughts? Obviously not investment advice at all. Just, uh, just kind of casually chatting through what's happened with that. And um, yeah, talking through the future. So let's do it. Cool. Well, let's, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Terra. Uh, Luna, it has all these names, right? I mean, they're kind of, there's the coin and then there's the stable coin that was backing the coin. Am I, am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. So I guess if you could give us a summary, I mean, what exactly happened? My understanding is there was a billion dollars that was involved and there was some kind of attack that took down the, took down the whole network. Is that well, right? I don't know if it was an attack. I don't know if we can go that far, but so, um, but we'll get, we'll get to that. Okay. So so we did talk about this at some point in the past, like, I don't know, episode four, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, So if anybody wants to go check that out, they're welcome to. So, okay, let's start at the beginning. Stable coins. The concept of a stable coin is a cryptocurrency that is pegged to some external value. Um, overwhelming majority of stable coins are US dollar stable coins. Literally, it's like 99% of stable coins are US dollar coins, which really speaks loudly to the power of the US dollar, which we talked mm-hmm. about last week, actually. Um, people want dollars. Yeah. Um, there's different types of stable coins. There's like there's been there, there's sort of two two overarching types, and every it's sort of a spectrum, like there's it's not black or white. Um, there are basically like centralized stable coins that are fully backed, um, which the two primary ones are Tether and USDC. And if you're USDC, for example, like Circle, which is the company that operates that stable coin, they literally hold like short duration treasury instruments. So they are like fully backed and um, you can go to Circle and redeem, and there's never going to be like a bank run scenario. Um, I should say the way that these, the way that like Circle and Tether work, this was interesting to me. Like they don't really make money on the fees, so like their their business models are not to generate profit through fees, though I presume they have some fees somewhere along the lines. Um, their business model is essentially it's sort of like a <clears throat> It's almost like a bank sort of in that they take deposits and then they invest those deposits. And so they try to basically grow their, their, their reserves. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's a dangerous game because like, if you're, if you are tether and you're buying Chinese commercial stock (laughs) and the, and the stock plummets by 50%, then you are vulnerable to a bank run scenario. Um, but, and it, and it allows, I mean, the main it's in the name, right. But I mean, the main value prop for 
these tokens are that they are not volatile like a Bitcoin is, right? I mean, more or less, or they shouldn't be volatile. I mean, I'm, we're about to learn that they can be volatile sometimes, but right, that's like the main, that's the main value prop for something like a tether. People can essentially get their hands on USD without going through the normal, the uh, traditional rails, I guess, of getting USD, say for someone outside of the USA. Correct. It's it's dollar liquidity outside of the U.S. banking sector. Um, I should say, sorry, digital dollar liquidity. Um, that's the idea. There's. I'm going to get into this, but the concept of stability is not well understood, in my opinion. But uh, but we'll get there. So there's this other type of stable coin, which is an algorithmic stable coin. And algorithmic stable coin sort of has a, a backing, sort of doesn't have a backing. They try to, they basically try to use the market to, to stabilize that value. So rather than um, having a full backing of US treasuries and other dollar-like instruments, they may have some backing, but... It may not be dollars. It may be some other asset. Um, and yeah, the stability is inherently more, it's kind of more volatile in that, in that you can understand how that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but basically the algorithmic stable coin, they, if it drops a little bit, then some of the coins were burned to bring it back up. Is that right? Well, it depends. Like really... Um, it's difficult to explain. You got to think about, okay, so let's take Tether as an example, actually. Let's start with Tether. Okay. Um, Tether isn't really like you know, on the exchanges, like Tether isn't controlling their supply. Like they're not like injecting supply in the event that um, value goes down and then vice versa. Instead, what happens is Tether, you can actually go trade Tether, right? And so Tether is, usually it's around a dollar, but sometimes it goes down to 99 cents. If Tether goes down to 99 cents, what you can do as a market participant, like as a, as a trader, is you can go buy that discounted Tether for 99 cents. And then, so buy it from Coinbase, let's say, and then you take it and then you send it to Tether, the, the corporation, and redeem it for a dollar. And so you've made... Uh, one basis points, one basis point on that trade. Okay. So there's like a, the idea is there's an arbitrage that the market creates. Like it's, the idea is that market participants maintain the peg because there's arbitrage opportunities. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. Briefly explain arbitrage real quick, just for anyone who's out there Googling it. Arbitrage is just like you take, you you buy at one price and you sell at a different price. So like- you Make a margin. Yeah, you try to make a margin. Like people arbitrage goods and services. Like I know there's a giant industry of like Amazon retailers of people that basically buy, they, they source cheap products from somewhere and then they sell them on Amazon for a profit, right? So they're not actually manufacturing or anything like that. They're just handling, handling logistics. They're capturing an arbitrage. Yeah. Okay. So the same thing happens with stable coins and that 
sometimes on exchanges, the order books get out of whack and stable coins can trade for a discount or even a premium. So they, they may trade for 98 cents rather than a hundred cents. In which yeah. case there's an arbitrage opportunity to buy at 98 cents here and then sell at a dollar over here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So with, with Terra and uh, Luna, these algorithmic stable coins, um, that arbitrage is more finicky because your reserve is not like U.S. Treasuries. They're not. They're not like. They're not really dollar-like instruments. They are some other volatile instrument. And so, um, so let me back up a little bit. With mm. my understanding is the blockchain is called Terra, right? And then Terra has a. Um, a native currency called Luna. And so this is the equivalent of like the Ethereum blockchain and then ETH, the asset. Yeah. So you have Terra, the, the chain, <clears throat> and then Luna, the asset. Luna is a volatile asset. And then on that same chain, there's a secondary native unit, which is Terra USD. And that is the stablecoin unit. Um, and so... The, the, the concept with Terra and Luna was that the Luna was the volatile reserve asset that maintained the peg of the USD stablecoin. So in the event that the USD stablecoin um, traded at a discount or a premium, the traders could arbitrage from the US Terra USD stablecoin to Luna, right? So they could buy the, the USD instrument and then go redeem it for some Lumina or vice versa. Okay. Yeah. And then it's, and then I know we talked about this a little bit in episode four, but one more wrinkle inside this entire story is that then Doquan was also buying up lots and lots of Bitcoin to use that as collateral, um, I guess, to support Luna, right? Correct. So, and actually people are saying that like, that was a bad move because it's an admission that your reserves are not as, uh, you're not as confident in your reserves as you should be. Um, but neither here nor there, that was the concept, which was that, um, you, the idea, and they actually bought like avalanche too. And I think they even bought a, a number of things, mm. but the concept is that um, if for whatever reason the price of Luna tanked such that it couldn't fully preserve the peg to U- to Terra USD, they could also deploy the Bitcoin holdings. So you're just yeah. it's just like a bank, really. Like again, like you have one entity which is um, holding a volatile asset, and then you have the other entity which is holding the stable asset. And the stable asset is redeemable for a market determinant amount of the volatile asset. And so if the price of the volatile asset tanks, then you have like a hundred outstanding notes for only like, you know, let's call it 10 underlying units. And so then there's a run on the bank for those 10 units. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean that you know you were, everyone was hearing the term death spiral, where essentially 
they just couldn't regain confidence more or less. Right. It just seemed like it would dip. They would try to do something to bring it back, bring it back to the peg. And then more traders would get, um, you know, antsy exit. And then it was just this spiral out of control and what it took two or three days, I think for it to go all the way down the 99% or whatever. So, yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, what a shit show. Uh, the, uh, see the problem with an algorithmic stable coin is you have reflexivity on the downside. And so since there is no reserve asset that is external to the system, then you can have a death spiral where, yeah, people just run for the exit basically. And, uh, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. I mean, the thing is like $50 billion of paper value were, were wiped out in a matter of like 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Just Which for, is insane. <laughs> yeah. Just, for, insanely just for context, large amount of money. Yeah. Just for context, that's roughly the size of the uh, Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are calling Terra Luna like a Ponzi. And here's why they're saying that because part of the, part of the, um, strategy to maintain this peg was to offer, uh, basically like a yielding instrument. So a a 20% yield, which is insane. Uh, you don't, that, that, that doesn't exist. And so, Um, there's sort of like a Ponzi-nomic there that um, eventually that rolls over. Eventually that 20% runs out. And then once it runs out, then then you're in trouble. Um, yeah. For anybody out there who is doing anything where you're getting, where you're getting some crazy APY on your coins, I would, I would encourage you to take a very hard look at that. <laughs> Oh, and, definitely. And try to understand what exactly is going on. What are the incentives here? Um, and understand that that's extremely risky because I would say if you go to the bank right now, your APY is less than 1%, right? Oh, way so, less. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> whatever the cost, these... of, the cost of capital these days is basically zero. Um, yeah. See, the so thing whatever is... they're doing, whatever they're doing with your coins that you're locking up in order to achieve that yield, they're having to be extremely, extremely risky, or they're just, or they're just creating new coins like there's no tomorrow, right? Am I yeah, thinking about like, that right? It's it's actually yeah, exactly. Like some of the a lot of the cases, it's it's actual Ponzi nomics in that, um, like, so there was an episode of Odd Lots. Um, which is a Bloomberg uh, podcast where they talked about this and the guy explained it very well. It's like, you can think of it basically as like the yield that's being paid out is basically being paid for by future buyers. And so you can see how it's like, it depends on more people coming into the system. And so like I can earn a 20% yield today because a month from now, somebody's going to come in with a bunch of money and they're going to buy up the thing. So it's like, it's this weird dynamic where you're sort of buying, you're getting value from the future. Um, but in the case of, of this anchor protocol, which was the 20% yield on Terra, um, 
like there there's ponzi aspects to it but i think there's also it's not black or white because like part of it too was that they were like that was actually like a growth strategy for them and so they were funding that like venture capitalists were funding that and that's the same thing it's the same thing that happens in like for the first decade or so of uber or the first five or ten years of uber things are like really cheap and people and things same thing with like these food delivery products people are like wow why is this so cheap airbnb used to be cheaper why is it so cheap and like the truth of the matter is that these vcs are basically subsidizing cheaper prices in order to grow the business because yeah, they want get network effect yeah because they want the network effect and then they want to be able to i mean there's this like giant obsession and fixation these days in investments with like uh just like i mean everybody wants dollars okay people don't really even want equity these days like they just they only want equity because they're like there's some they're they're looking for a greater fool right they're looking for somebody down the line is going to buy this because they don't they can get out and get more dollars and get more dollars yeah see like people want dollars okay uh aside from (laughs) this uh, like a burgeoning community of Bitcoiners that want Bitcoin. Okay. I'll, I'll make, make note of that as well. But yeah. um, anyway, th- so the anchor protocol was a similar dynamic in that they were, they were basically subsidizing that 20% yield in order to grow the network. Um, yeah. And, and Do Kwan has talked about this too. Do Kwan is actually like, he was like, it was the perfect storm. He was the right guy for this position. And I'm not saying I'm not placing a value judgment on good or bad, but like he understood that there's something about like, okay, stability in my opinion is not even something that is possible. Like it's just not, even the dollar is not really stable. Um, And like Doquan has harped on this a lot. He's like, if you want stability, you have to have demand and you have to have growing demand. And so um, like basically, again, it just goes back to Ponzi-nomics. Like eventually the growth stops, like it can only grow for so long. And if your stability is premised on growth, then it's just not going to work. Now I would say that the dollar, like in my opinion, part of, part of, part of what the dollar is, is Terra Luna in like super slow motion. And, um, and like all fiat currencies are like, are sort of like that very slow motion. Whereas like Terra and Luna, you know, it's digital crypto, it's wild west. It's like hyperspeed. So, um, I think the same concept of the dollar is able to maintain stability because we are still growing the global economy. And largely that comes down to emerging markets. Like if you Mm -hmm. still look around the world, emerging markets are still and uh, have tremendous growth remaining and so you can you can maintain stability now i want to try to explore something here it's going to be difficult um stability stability is a trade like i've talked about like on one side of the trade you have a volatile asset and on the other side of the trade you have the stable asset and um like the, the way that i'm kind of framing this and it's it's not black and white it's not like this is a bit of a naive framing but i think it's useful to think about it this way is like wealthy versus poor and on 
the volatile side of the trade, you have the wealthy. And on the, uh, the stable side of the trade, you have the poor. And um, the reason why that exists is because like wealthy people can, they can endure volatility. Like it's okay if a wealthy person's wealth drops substantially um, in a short amount of time, because like they, they're still going to have a, a roof over their head and food to eat. Right. But a poor person can't do that. A poor person has to have stability because they're living paycheck to paycheck. And so yeah. um, what, what it really is, is like, it's rent seeking. It's at, it's at its core, like this is sort of a cynical outlook. I hate to say it. And this is, again, it's not black and white, but this is part of the framing. This is one framing I should say is that it's the, it's the wealthy exploiting the poor, right? Because the wealthy have this basket of uh, wealth, this, this, you know, this basket of wealth. And they're like, okay, how can I grow this thing? How can I, um, you know, compound my, my wealth. And they're looking yeah. at all these different opportunities. They're looking at like, okay, I could invest in stocks. I could offer a debt instrument. I could buy real estate, buy Bitcoin. Um, or I could offer this stable value unit. And I'm only going to do that. I'm only going to offer that if it is competitive with all these other instruments, right? And yeah. so really what that means is over time, in order for stability to maintain um, the, the volatile asset has to grow in value over time. It ha it's forced to, um, otherwise the wealthy side of the trade will just be like, okay, I'm not like, if my, if I'm losing value, I'm going to cut my losses and go invest it somewhere else. Um, and so you yeah. just, you just like, there's this huge divergence over time between the wealth gap between the, the, the two sides of the trade. And, um, and eventually that, that causes like social issues. And I, in my opinion, a lot of the social issues we see in the world today are caused by this dynamic because the poor people use U.S. dollars and the wealthy people hold financial assets, basically. And that the wealth gap is diverging and then there's social issues. And then somehow we try to like reconcile that, right? We basically, we try to make the rich people poor. We've been doing so, it causes all sorts of chaos. Um, yeah. It's like that meme. I'm sending it over to you right now. It's like the meme where there's like the fat rich guy who's just get there's a pipe of water coming into his mouth. You know what I'm talking about? And then there's so. a little, you click on that in the chat. <laughs> and then there's a little drip that the little guy, it makes me think uh, Lynn Alden was talking about this this week where Coinbase, yep. Coinbase is pushing, um, pretty much pushing this Ponzi of their, these new coins will get enough traction to get listed on Coinbase. And then the original, you know, the OGs to that coin or even the founders then use those Coinbase users as exit liquidity <laughs> to get out. Yeah. And, and the people who are buying on Coinbase are like, oh my gosh, look, this thing has run up, you know, 2000%. Like that could happen to me. And it's like, no, you don't understand. You're just being used as a way for those for earlier adopters to just get out and get back into us dollar. Yes. Yeah, and then you're left dollars. holding the bag with this coin that doesn't do anything and has no value, but you see, were sold a lie because you're one of the, you're because you're talking about poor people, but then come up, you know, come up the spectrum just a little bit, right. People who are kind of like 
you know, making a, I'm sure a good salary and stuff, but they're trying to like, they're trying to hit that, that jackpot, right. They're trying to get to the That's level right. Yeah. Right. of, you know, five, 10, 50 million, whatever. And so they see an opportunity, but really it's just rich people getting richer and then poor people. And, you know, I mean, the middle class is going away generally, but those people have to work all the, so much harder to one, try to make up whatever they lost right in that trade and still try to keep their head above water with their monthly expenses. So, yeah. So I'm going to bring this, I'm going to bring this to the end. Like this is the, what I'm really trying to get to is that like stability is not something that just even exists and it's a trade and the person that holds a stable value unit ultimately loses because they have to, there's no other option. And in the case of fiat currencies, see it can i think it can work if this is going to sound crazy i think that stability can work if it's government enforced right if it is a government enforced stability under threat of violence then it can work because um uh yeah like if because eventually like the social dynamics just get too crazy and then people are just pissed off that Jeff Bezos is worth so much money. Um, and so then they're like, and they call their senators and their senators make Jeff Bezos more poor uh, because they have the threat of violence. Like it only works with a threat of violence. So I don't know. Anyway, I still see all these different like Silicon Valley VC people and tech tech bros that are like, oh no, we just didn't have the right system. Like we need more like, uh, they're trying to like copy like the Basel regulation, which is like a bank regulation from the global financial crisis. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, look, you're just going to have to deal with it. Like stability is only possible through the U S government. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, it's, yeah. Like I just see this, like there's an obvious barbell strategy here for anybody in the world, which is, have dollars to just maintain your security, your short, short to midterm security, and then yeah. stuff all of your savings into Bitcoin. There's like, like that's the perfect barbell strategy, right? So, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly where my head just went of like, you have to take on the volatility in order to survive the next 10 to 20 years. Because if you, if you take on no volatility and you just, you just camp out in the US dollar, you are guaranteed to lose <laughs> like guaranteed. There's no, there's no opportunity. That's the only way the system works. You have to lose. Right. Yeah. That's my whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Well, I think to wrap it up, I would just say if it's, I mean, this is so general or just so it goes back so far, but it's like, if it sounds too good to be true, it most likely is. So, if, I mean, just apply that to just about everything and, um, and always favor decentralized networks over centralized networks. Um, they just, there's just less, you know, th there was such a central point of attack on, on this versus, you know, a decentralized network. It, it's so hard to take down. It's so difficult to have so much money to be able to take down something like the Bitcoin network in the similar fashion. So 
be careful out there. The other thing I was going to bring up is you said it earlier. These are kind of like banks. They're kind of like banks without any regulation. They almost have, especially this one, this guy is out of South Korea. So, I mean, we're dealing the way, with there's, just... There's, there's reports that uh, there's going to be like a a federal case against this guy. I, I'm, you know, it's total speculation. We don't know, but there may be criminal action brought against Oh, for guy. sure. I mean, this was a, I mean, I've got an article pulled up, pulled up here, like, um, you know, people, people's life savings just vanished. Dreams shattered. I don't know if you, I was on the, I went over to the subreddit. I mean, people are talking about taking their lives they're, you know, everyone's putting the, um, the suicide hotline number in there. It's like, this is insane. Um, so it's getting to a point now where, and I think everyone who's keeping an eye on all this, this will be the first regulatory, you know, gauntlet to come down is on the stable coins. Yeah. We just, we just handed them, we handed the government a win. Like, yeah, good job guys. Exactly. And, and the worst part of all, in my opinion, is that, you know, just Bitcoin's brand at all was tied to this. And obviously there's no, there's nothing that can be, could, that could have been done to prevent that. Um, but it just gives, it gives the media and it gives the SEC and just people in treasury, all of them, it gives them a, um, yeah, just a, a weapon to wield against us now and say, look, see, you were you were tied up in this thing that led to so, so much turmoil. Um, so it's just like part of the reason for this show is, is to do, do what we can to, um, to counteract, you know, mainstream narratives that are out there, but I'm sure that this will, this will be used in coming election cycles or just generally some of these hearings to say all of this stuff is, is scammy or all the stuff is Ponzi scheme like and stay as far away from it as possible. And it just sets us, it sets Bitcoin back. I would say it feels like a little bit. Um, so we just yeah. have to keep fighting that good fight of educating people about how Bitcoin is different from all the other cryptos. Like every single one of them is pretty much in one camp and then Bitcoin is in its own camp <laughs> very far away. Mm-hmm. So so anyways, cool. Well, how are we doing on time? Let's take, let's take a look on that. Let's talk briefly about the market. I don't even know what's going on with the market. It's sort of like up this week. Yeah, what I was, what I was saying offline before, um, I think there were some minutes that were released out of the uh, a Fed meeting that kind of gave people some confidence. Um, and so, yeah, we let's check where we're at. Maybe we'll get an old open. an old Powell pivot within the sometime this summer. Who knows? I gotta say, gold is holding has held up extremely well. Like, I know it hasn't. People thought that gold was supposed to like break through or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, flat in this market is is a winning strategy. That's true. <laughs> Minimizing losses. Yeah, I mean. I mean, Bitcoin has held, it's held pretty strong now for um, how many ever weeks at the 29, I guess really since, 
Well, I guess since like the second week in May, we've been really hovering right around the 30. Well, the, uh, so, the interesting chart to look at is Bitcoin dominance. So BTC right. dot, dot D and it is up. Oh, yes. Yesterday, the ETH BTC chart broke through major support levels. Uh, it's not looking good for the ETH, ETH price. I don't know I mean, what month, to say. Monthly, like, it's that that is up almost 11% in the past month, the BTC dominance. Yeah, which, you know, BTC is the, it's the flight to safety. Um, we'll see what this ETH thing. I mean, ETH seems to be coming out as like the digital silver, I guess. I don't, I don't understand it, but whatever. I'm not it's buying not it. good. I'm not either. <laughs> Why would you buy silver? Listen, over the past 50 years, what do you want to own, silver or gold? Let me, let me just ask that question. <laughs> Yeah. Have you had a chance to read that Bitcoin in the American Dream book yet? I haven't read it. Oh. All right, Kendall, that's your weekend. That's your weekend assignment. Mm, okay. I literally finished this in one in one day of like flying. It's pretty easy to read. Short. But um yeah, it's very short. Um so yeah. I'm excited. You know, we just had all the primaries. Um, so for anyone out there who's like a political junkie, I'm sure there were some surprises for you as there were for most. So we'll see how everything shakes out in November. Um, but I mean, there's there's some bills out there. Um, there's some bills that are, you know, I think giving, we need regulation. I think that I, I for a while I was not on that train, but I'm, I'm kind of on that train now of like, let's get, you know, senators talking because I think that's when we start to see people come around. Like I know you had a chance to listen to that podcast with the financial advisor guy, Rick. Yeah, Edelman. Rick, Rick Edelman. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, I think with regulation and with just putting putting the rules out, because so many financial advisors out there, they are um, they are rule followers. I love them. Um, and so if they look around and they don't see any rules to follow, it's like, well, I can't, I have to stay far away. <laughs> so I think if we, um, and they're going to be the ones ultimately who are going to bring a lot of money into, uh, just call it the Bitcoin um, ecosystem, right? Whether it's 401ks, helping people think through, okay, maybe allocate one to 10% of your 401k, depending on your age. So Getting those people on board, I think, starts with regulation and regulation starts with elections and getting people elected. So, yeah. So um, if they're, wow, you're you know, such I, a, you're a, you're a statist. <laughs> 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 oh gosh. I've never, no one's ever called me that. Wow. <laughs> oh man. Well, this is the system we find ourselves in. Labels, um, labels, labels. Yeah uh no i'm with but, you. i mean people are I'm turning into one single issue voters and all i would say right now is um there's a lot of things happening obviously we don't get into uh we don't get into like most politics issues but just don't be distracted um make sure you're you stay kind of focused on what's going on economically and uh there's a lot of lives just hitting a lot of roadblocks and it's just the beginning i mean 
I've, you know, when I've got uh, CNBC on, people are talking about credit card use going, going through the roof. That's because people can't afford what they're, you know, the, what the rising price is right now. And so they're just pushing it off. And that is going to come to bear in the next one to three years. Right. So, yeah. And then if, and then if layoffs come, I mean, it's, it's just potentially going to be, um, difficult. So yes, there are all these, there's all kinds of things that are happening in the world. Um, we need to good and, good and have, bad, but have some, like have a positive episode. We are, we're always, I so, know. We're always so bearish. Well, um, I would just say generally, <laughs> generally though, I am so bullish on Bitcoin. Like, Oh yeah. I think that I get, I do get, yeah, I'm sure I get, there's a brand of like, Oh my gosh, doom and gloom, but Bitcoin, the future is so amazing. Like there was something that happened last week where pretty much there was someone on the side of the road who needed money and felt, felt like I should give them money, but I don't have any, I didn't have any cash. So I had to go to the bank. Thankfully I got there. It was a Saturday. It was last Saturday. I literally got there like 15 minutes before the bank closed. ATM was broken. So I had to go through the drive-through window and literally oh my God, put my driver's license, my card into the thing. And I uh, told her that I wanted some cash. And then she filled out this little piece of paper, sent it back to me. I had to physically sign it, put it back into that thing. Then she sent me the money. I was like, holy moly. If, if that, and I'm assuming the person on the side of the road had at least a smartphone, right? If that person had a smartphone, I had a smartphone. They had a Bitcoin wallet. I had a Bitcoin wallet. That, that transaction, sending them value could have happened in at least 30 seconds, right? 30 seconds or less versus I had to drive to a bank, get cash, bring it back and then hand over something that's literally going to lose value guaranteed. (laughs) I mean, that those types of things, I'm like, man, Bitcoin adoption and the curve being, I'm sure it's going to end up being parabolic um, like the internet. Those are exciting times. Like I'm excited for those times. Um, so there oh, you yeah. go. there's po- there's a positive thing. Oh yeah. There's plenty of positive in the world. I think, uh, yeah, different, different people have different investment strategies too. Like if you're, if your investment strategy is, is much more long-term then it's, uh, it's like, it's you don't get like these short bursts of excitement in the way that like short-term investors do, right? It's like they yeah. they have more fun maybe, but like they also get wiped out. <laughs> they die sooner. Yeah. <laughs> They're stressed. Yeah, that was another thing that I was thinking about just generally. This is on a positive note too. Everyone should be thinking through how how they can make sure one, you can take care of your yourself and your family um, in the coming years, but also think through like some opportunities of how you can help your community. Um, because obviously there's the government is like the backstop for, for a lot of things, but I think getting back to all of us trying to find creative ways to, to help people that, you know, um, and, you know, are going through a difficult time. I think that that's going, those opportunities are just going to, um, they're going to be, there's going to be numerous opportunities in the coming years. So preparing to be able to help those people and the feeling that you get when you help someone else in your community, like that's a great feeling. So 
yeah. I would say stay humble, stack sats and, and also be very willing and ready to, um, to give generously. So like we learned from Palestinian Bitcoiner. That's right. That's right. Love it. All right. Let's end it right there. <laughs>